Turn your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm as we continue our study. And as you're turning there, it is still winter, so we're going to talk about snowmen. What do you call a snowman that throws a temper tantrum? It's a meltdown. What do you call a snowman with a six-pack abs? The abdominal snowman. What do you call a snowman that lies? He's a snow fake. And what do you call a snowman party? It's a snowball. All right. Amen. The 23rd Psalm is going to rescue me one more time. This morning, we're going to talk about He Restores Me. So question, what do the following men have in common? Jacob, David, Samson, Peter, Mark, and your pastor today. What do they all have in common? They are all men of God who love God, who got out of fellowship with God, and were brought back into that sweet fellowship with him. And by the way, you can add your name to that list. Amen? Each and every one of us go through that path. We are the sheep of his pasture. It's our nature to wonder. It's our nature to stray away from the shepherd from time to time. But praise God, the shepherd's nature is to restore his sheep. Psalm 23, start at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You think about David, King David, and it's no wonder that David, who strayed so far from God, proclaimed that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. David, a man after God's own heart, had strayed so far from God, committed adultery, committed murder. But he knew firsthand what it meant to be restored back to his shepherd, back to his Lord. Now, we also need to understand, in order to be restored, we must have been there to begin with. Amen? In order to be restored, you had to be there first. Fall away to be restored to that place once again. This morning, I want us to consider there. Where is there? There is being right with God. Amen? Being right with God is what we're talking about. And once we get right, the question is, how do we stay right? Once we get right with God, we accept Christ as our shepherd, as our savior. How do we stay right? So if you're not right, you need to get right. And if you are right, you need to stay right. Right? Everybody follow that? Simple. 
So this is exactly what David is saying here in that third verse. He restores my soul. Amen? So many of us at some point become backsliders. What is a backslider? A lot of people don't believe it's a biblical term, but it absolutely is. Backslider comes right from God's word. And a backslider is a biblical term that simply describes a born-again believer, a believer in Jesus Christ who is simply out of fellowship with God. That's what backsliding is in a nutshell. It's just simply being out of fellowship with God. They're not lost or unsaved. We need to understand that. As you have to be there, right, first and foremost, before you can slide back from there. So we're not talking about an unbeliever. We're not talking about someone who's lost and unsaved. We're talking about a born-again believer who is out of fellowship with God. Jeremiah 3.14. Listen to God's plea. He said, return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. There is a marriage bond here between God and that backslider, so we know that backslider is a born-again believer. God says we have a bond. It's a marriage bond that cannot be broken. Amen? Praise God for that. However, although that marriage bond can never be broken, we can drift away from God. We can drift out of fellowship with God. And when we're out of fellowship with God, guess what we lose? We lose the joy of his salvation. As soon as we drift away from God, we start to lose that joy of our Lord's salvation. That's why David declared in that 51st Psalm, he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now understand, he wrote that 51st Psalm when he had drifted away from God, when he had slipped out of fellowship with God, when he was all tangled up with Bathsheba and, and committing adultery and committing murder. He lost that, that joy that comes with the fellowship of our Lord, the joy that comes with his salvation. Notice he didn't say, restore to me your salvation, right? He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation, not your salvation. He never lost that, nor could he. But he did lose the joy of the Lord's salvation. Why? Simply because he lost the fellowship with the giver of that joy. Amen? The giver of joy is our Lord, our shepherd, Jehovah. He is the giver of that joy that comes through his salvation. And the moment we get out of fellowship, we lose touch with the one, the giver of that joy. So guess what the shepherd did? He restored him. Amen. And this morning, I want us to, to consider how Jesus restores our soul. Amen. So the first thing I want us to look at is how the shepherd ministers to us. David clearly saw himself as a sheep, 
and the Lord as his shepherd. There's no doubt he makes it very clear in this, in this 23rd Psalm. The Lord, Jehovah God of the Old Testament, is the same Jesus Christ of the New Testament. So first thing I want us to do, I want us to consider the three different kinds of sheep that need to be restored. Amen? Three different kinds of sheep that need to be restored. The first and most prominent are those stubborn sheep. Know any of them? <laughs> most of us, all we have to do is look in the mirror and we see one of those stubborn sheep. Amen? Plain and simple. Stubborn sheep simply want their own way, don't we? Amen? God warns against that. Isaiah 53, 6, he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Stubborn sheep. Second group, they are the straying sheep. The straying sheep. Those are the ones who just carelessly wander off, unaware of the dangers that await them in this world. You know, they were in fellowship at one time and, and, and came to church on a regular basis. And then over time, they just start to drift away. They wander off. And before long, they're, they're entangled in those snares of the world. They often fall into those pits and get all tangled up. That's the strain sheep. Third type of sheep that need to be restored are the sick sheep. The sick sheep. Sheep have many, many enemies. And they're surrounded by dangers around every corner, corner, harmful diseases, poisons everywhere. And eventually, the sheep fall victim. Somehow, some way. These are the sick sheep. So these are the three main types of sheep that need to be restored. And thank God, the ministry of the sheep is to restore or the ministry of the shepherd is to restore the sheep. Now, take note in our psalm here, 23rd Psalm. God shows us that the shepherd has three tools that he uses to restore his sheep. In verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, first tool that the shepherd has to restore his sheep is his rod then he also says and your staff they comfort me staff is his second tool that the shepherd is given to restore his sheep and then we skip down to verse five you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with what with oil oil is the shepherd's third tool that he uses to restore his sheep. So his rod, his staff, and his oil are his tools. So let's kind of think about each one. Now the shepherd uses his rod to restore his stubborn sheep. Keep that in mind, his stubborn sheep. Now the shepherd would make his rod from a young sapling, a, a small tree. And the top of that rod, or, or it's, you know, you can, we probably would call it a club today. But the top of his rod was formed from the root knot of that sapling. 
When he, when he pulls it up by the root, you have that big root knot, and he cuts away the outer roots until you have that, that solid center knot. And he would drive nails and, and drive pieces of metal into that knot, that club head, to weigh it down at the top of it. It was a powerful weapon that the shepherd had in his hand. He used it to, to fend off predators trying to harm or attack the sheep. That was his rod of defense. Now, when we're considering the sheep, it also turns into a rod of correction. Amen? There are times when that shepherd had to turn that rod of defense into a rod of correction, and he had to use it on his stubborn sheep. When that sheep gets to that point where he continually refuses to listen to the shepherd because of his stubborn, hardened heart and gets dead set on his own way, the shepherd would be forced to use the rod, his rod of correction, and break one of the legs of that sheep. I know it sounds harsh, but that's exactly what the shepherd had to do. Once he broke that leg, he would then immediately bind it up and provide healing for that little sheep. Many times he would pick that sheep up, place it on his shoulders, and and carry it when they went on their way. He would nurture that sheep care for it until it was healed. And once it healed, the shepherd would then restore it back to the sheepfold. And that one, that that one-time stubborn sheep, once broken and now healed, now stayed ever close to that shepherd's side. That sheep that was broken and healed would not let that shepherd out of his sight. Wherever the shepherd went, that sheep would follow. And many times, that once stubborn sheep who was broken and healed, they would become the flock leader. And lead the rest of the sheep. Listen to what God says in the book of Hosea 6 1. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us. You see, it's that same Lord that breaks us is the same Lord that binds us and he heals us in order for us to return and be restored back to him. Amen? And that sheep is a graphic example of how the Lord sometimes has to break us when we start to drift away from his side. Psalm 119, 67. 
David declared, he says, before I was afflicted, he said, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So what he is telling us is his straying was the cause of being afflicted. He says, but now I keep your word. Amen. David's straying caused his affliction. The Lord had to break him in order to bring him back. The same was true with Jacob back in the book of Genesis when Jacob strayed away from God, when Jacob strayed away from that fellowship. The Bible tells us that that Jacob wrestled with God, doesn't it? And he wrestled with God, and God had to knock his hip out of joint to get his attention. He had to break Jacob in order to restore him. I want you to... Pay attention to this verse. You probably read it many times and didn't pay attention to this one little piece. Hebrews 11.21. Hebrews 11 is that great chapter of faith, the faith hall of fame. Listen to what he says about Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And look how God ends that. And he worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. Why? Because of his hip. When God knocked his hip out of joint, he limped the rest of his life as a reminder. And we see in this, in this uh, 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 chapter of Faith Hall of Fame, leaning on his, on his staff, the Bible tells us, He's teaching us that sometimes we have to learn to lean on him. Amen. What was he leaning on? A shepherd's staff. Sometimes we have to lean on that staff of our shepherd. Amen. We have to learn that. We need to understand that there are times when our Lord has to chastise us. Not out of anger, but out of pure love. You know, sometimes that's hard for us to to truly comprehend because, you know, those of us that have children, most of the time that we corrected our children, we were what? Angry, right? They did something wrong and they made us angry. But that's not our Lord. Our Lord chastens us out of his pure love, not his anger. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to spend a, a few minutes here because we really need to dissect what God is telling us. We, most of you are very familiar with this passage. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Amen. God speaking to us as his children. Make sure we note that first and foremost. He says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Uh, receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with us as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? 
But if, if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Right? Didn't mom always say, wait till your father gets home? You're really going to be in trouble then, right? So we gave our earthly fathers of respect. God says, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, our heavenly father, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful in the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Did you catch that in verse 11? It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. When he restores us, he leads us where? In the paths of what? Righteousness. Amen? You see how it ties together? Now, I want us to see something in this passage. There are three different ways God shows us here that we can respond to his chastening. And the first way, we see it here in verse 5. God says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. So one way we can respond to the Lord's chasing is to despise it, to resent it. But God flat tells us what? Not to, doesn't he? Right off the bat, he says, my son, do not despise the chastening. Why does he tell us that? Well, a couple reasons. First and foremost, his chastening declares that we are his children. Those that are not of the faith, those that are not children of God, those who are not born again, guess what? God doesn't chasten. So the fact that God is chasing us means that we are his children. He says, for, the whom lo- who, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Verse 8. But if you are without chastening then you are not sons, plain and simple. It declares his love and his concern for each and every one of his children. Secondly, it also renews our worship. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits? Parents are to, are to correct and to set boundaries for their children. Listen, the shepherd's ministry is not to make us happy. Amen? The shepherd's ministry is to make us holy. Not happy, but holy. Verse 10. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. The ministry of the shepherd is to make us holy. 
Third reason we shouldn't despise his uh, chastisement is it restores our fellowship with him. Verse 11, now no chastening seems to be joyful in the present, but painful. But nevertheless, afterward, it yields that peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. After we are broken and we are healed by him, our desire will be to cling to our shepherd's precious side. Amen? We want to keep our eyes fixed on him after that. Our heart's desire is to cling to him. So one choice that we have is to despise it. A second choice that we have is to be discouraged by it. We see that in the second half of verse 5. He says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged by it. So often, or, or too often, so many Christians, once they've been chastened, they just throw up their hands and they give up and they quit. Why? It's a lack of faith. I'm not trusting in the Lord. Amen? If he loved me, he wouldn't chasten me. We said that as kids, didn't we? Right? If mom and dad loved me, they wouldn't spank me. They wouldn't correct me. It's the opposite. They loved us enough to make that sacrifice. Amen. They set those boundaries for our protection. And God is doing the same for our spiritual protection. The shepherd doesn't chasten us to, to, you know, to push us away. Amen. The shepherd doesn't chasten us to push us away. He does it to what? To draw us closer. Like that little sheep. Once he was broken and then was healed, he stayed by his shepherd's side. No no longer drifted off. So the Bible tells us God is declaring, don't despise it, don't discourage it. Instead, he says, be trained by it. That's the third response. We can despise it, we can be discouraged by it, or we can respond correctly to it and be trained by it. Verse 11. It ends that we will yield that peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Amen? Trained by it. So the shepherd deals with those stubborn sheep with the rod of correction, the the rod of chastisement. How about the strange sheep? How does, how does the shepherd deal with the strange sheep? Well, he uses his staff for them. The shepherd would make his staff from a, a much longer sapling. And he would soak it in boiling water. And he would bend one end. He would curve it, bend it, and he would tie it to form a, a crook at the end of it. And that shepherd's crook That crook of that staff was the perfect size to fit around that that sheep's chest or its neck to pull it out of danger, to guide it when necessary. And with his staff, that shepherd would guide his sheep. 
He would keep him on that straight path. He would keep that sheep out of harm's way. If that sheep got tangled up in briars, he would use that staff and that crook to free and untangle that sheep. If it wandered off, and they often did, and it fell into a mud pit, he would reach down and use that crook to lift it out of that mud and miry clay. David, in the 40th Psalm, he said, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of that miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. Amen. David was set free with his shepherd's staff. Freed out of that miry clay and set upon a rock. Who was our rock? Jesus Christ. Amen. And he established his steps in his Lord. Third type of sheep, the sick sheep. And the shepherd uses his third tool on them, his oil. So each night, the shepherd would bring his sheep into the sheepfold. And he himself would sit at the entrance of that sheepfold. And he would be the door to the sheepfold. Sound familiar? Nothing went in, nothing went out, except through that shepherd. Amen. John chapter 10. Verse 7, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you that I am the door of the sheep. No one goes into the sheep, none of the sheep come out, except through him, through Jesus Christ, our shepherd. Verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Isn't that a great verse? Once in that sheepfold. At the end of the day, the shepherd would count them. They were all numbered, and he would count them, and he would call them by name. And he would nurture them, and he would, he would run his fingers through their wool and check their skin to see if he would find any sores or any, any scratches. And if he did, what did he do? He would pour his oil on those wounds. And that oil would soothe his, those wounds. It would medicate them. It would heal them and it would comfort those little sheep in that sheepfold. Think of such a beautiful picture of how Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, how he comforts us and he cares for us, how he knows us and he calls us by name. Verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. Beautiful picture of how he heals us, 
and how he restores us when we stray. Praise God for the ministry of the shepherd to restore his sheep. Amen. Second thing I want us to see, and we're going to close with this thought, is the mastery of the shepherd. Go back to our 23rd Psalm. Just looking at verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness sake. Why? For his name's sake. Now, too often, we're only interested in getting restored. I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen very closely. If we don't go from restoration to righteousness, then we will go right back to the same backsliding that put us out of fellowship. Amen? Too often, though, Christians, they just want to be restored. But if we don't go from restoration to righteousness, we're going to be right back in the same problems. Many desire to get right with God, but they don't want to follow after his righteousness. Amen? There's an additional step that needs to be made. or We're just going to keep falling into this cycle of being in fellowship, falling out of fellowship. The shepherd restores us, then we fall back out. And we're never going to grow close. We're never going to mature in our faith. We're never going to accomplish what God has set aside for us to accomplish. Amen? We're never going to live to our full spiritual potential unless we follow after His righteousness. A restored sheep, truly restored sheep, desire to draw close to the shepherd. They allow the shepherd to to master over them. How many times do we have to slip and fall until we learn to stay close to the shepherd's side? Amen. How many times do we have to slip and fall and get caught up in the things of this world until we realize we need to keep our eyes fixed on Him and not on the things in this world? We need to learn to stay close to the shepherd, close enough to hear His still, small voice. How do we hear His voice? Right here. Amen. By laying down in those green pastures of his word and allowing him to lead us into those paths of righteousness. We waste way too much time and and way too much energy trying to get out of trouble, don't we? How much time? Think about it. How much time and energy do we waste getting out of trouble instead of trying to get into righteousness? Right? Take that same energy that we waste getting out of trouble and use it to get into righteousness. Listen, we know his ministry. What we need is his mastery. Amen? We know up here, we know what his ministry is. What we need is his mastery right here. We need to determine in our heart right here, right now, today, that we are going to hear the voice of the shepherd. 
that we are going to get into his word until it gets into us and be determined to stay right with God. Stay by his precious side and don't stray off. <clears throat> For his namesake. When we started this study, we looked into his name, didn't we? What is the name of the shepherd? The Lord, right? The Lord Jehovah. The most sacred name of God in the Old Testament, the name Jehovah. Guess what? You will not find the name Jehovah in the entire New Testament. Why? Because the same Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Amen? For his name's sake, the name of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus mean? What does the name Jesus mean? It means Jehovah saves. That's why there is no name greater. Amen? Jehovah saves. If Jesus Christ is our shepherd and we his sheep, then we need to live in a way that glorifies his name and not disgraces it. Amen. And we can only do that by staying on those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Allow him to lead us. Allow him to guide us. Allow him to direct our every step. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 